Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Broadcasting from the Annie Up Studios, it's the longest-running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scales. Hello, A-Team. It's Friday, January 19th. Welcome to the Annie Up Poker Podcast, where every hand is an opportunity, every player is a friend, and every episode is a winning experience. I'm your host, Joe Scales, and for the sake of full transparency, these last couple of weeks have been pretty doozies. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad I get to do this as sort of a distraction from everything else. The show must go on, and that's exactly what is going to happen. This is the official start of a new year of the podcast. I definitely feel more comfortable doing it, and I think I've improved. It would be interesting to go back and listen to some of the those first ones, though, and compare. Maybe I'll do that. Last week, I mentioned Magic Mind, and a lot of people reached out with questions. Honestly, I had more people reach out about this product than any other product I have talked about on this podcast. It's definitely one that deserves some further conversations, so here's what I would suggest. First of all, go to the website magicmind.com slash J-A-N anti-up. So Jan anti-up. I'll have a link to it in the podcast, but I think I said last week that it was .co, but it is .com. After you've done that, do some research on your own. Look up things like matcha and ashwagandha, but also... Look up the story of the creator of Magic Mind, James Beshera, because basically this product came from a trip to the emergency room. <laughs> he learned that too much stress and too much caffeine had led him to right there. After about a decade of research, they created this product, this little bottle of actual real ingredients that's designed to keep you focused, lower your stress and still give you a little pick-me-up. Right now, until the end of the month, you can get one month free when you subscribe to three months of Magic Mind. Just go to that website I mentioned, magicmind.com slash janantiup. Or take 20% off your order with code antiup20. Coming up next in our Table Talk segment, we have a little sneak peek into our feature of the February issue of the magazine. The one that started poker vlogs before there were poker vlogs. I was able to sit down with the trooper for over an hour and talk beginnings and where things are going now. I have a few snippets in the podcast here, but if you want to hear the whole interview, be sure to check out the February issue of the magazine. And if you want to have it sent to your inbox, send me an email at podcast at or go to the website and sign up from there. That's all I have, so let's get on with the show. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table. 
with Table Talk. This week, I am sharing a sneak peek into the February feature story, the original, the OG, the first poker vlogger. What up? It's the Trooper. (laughs) Hey, Trooper. Thanks for joining me, and I just want to go through a few things. Like, let's start at the beginning, like before the Trooper, before the vlogs. Tell me a little bit about how you got started, how you got into the game, and then we'll get into the vlog. Basically, before that, I, while everyone was drinking, I started gambling. <laughs> And then I was a bit of a degenerate video poker player in South Carolina when I lived in Myrtle Beach. I've read a bunch of books about gambling back in the old days. I used to love to read Casino Player Magazine. I don't know if you remember that. I don't know if it's still a thing or not. Uh, I used to read that and read about um, anything gambling. So I had read bits about poker before rounders and, you know, online poker started or whatever but like most people it was after you know rounders and money maker when i started really looking at poker as something i wanted to try or to do seems like there was a lot between the degenerate video poker playing and moving out to vegas so uh, walk us through some of that in 2004 i left myrtle beach with the intentions of going to Vegas to be a crap stealer. And then I, just cause I thought it sounded fun. And then uh, on the way, basically my lease was up, up in Myrtle Beach and I left there, came home to Greenville to where my mom lives, thought I would stay here for a few months, save a little money and then head to Vegas. But while I was here, uh, got invited to a poker tournament in a guy's garage, which, ultimately led to me dealing the cash game that he was starting the the following week in his garage on Tuesdays. So I started dealing every Tuesday and then it was every Tuesday and Saturday for this guy who started games in 2005. And uh, for a couple years, I was like the I would call myself the premier dealer around here. Everybody wanted me to deal their games and there was games popping up. And um, I started dealing another game uh, Sunday, uh, Wednesday and Friday, Tuesday and Saturday. I dealt the, the other game. So I was dealing underground poker games, you know, here for a while and playing poker on the days that I wasn't dealing, you know what I mean? And then there was online poker and stuff. So, how do we get from local poker dealer to that video that I remember so well of you documenting your last day on the job before you're heading out to Vegas? There was a lot between dealing underground games and uh, that day. But, you know, I, I there were robberies and police raids were starting to kick off here in Greenville. And then a buddy of mine, uh, we decided to move to Vegas. We stayed there for... I stayed there for a year and a half and came back and I was dealing another game here um, for a while. And then I was driving down to Jacksonville to play um, all week long and then driving back to deal a game on Friday nights here. Wow. 
and then wow. staying in hotels down there. And for a while, I was playing up at Cherokee, Cherokee, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. When they first got poker in 2009, they had the electronic tables. So I was just doing everything I could not to work a real job, basically, <laughs> you know. And um, then, then after driving back and forth to Jacksonville a lot, I decided to move there. I got an apartment there. And uh, yeah, that's when I started doing the vlog. <laughs> so eventually you saved up. You were heading out to Vegas. What was the thought process? What did you anticipate this journey to be like? Well, I didn't save up a lot, but uh, I mean, I figured it would be hard. But um, as far as getting there and well, you know, maybe in my head, I thought that I could. I had booked hotel rooms for about six weeks, with the exception of a few nights here and there, like uh, EDC was in June in those days. So I didn't have a hotel for those nights, which I slept in my car, I believe in the Venetian garage, which is not easy when it's June in Vegas, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think I thought that I would just, you know, grind out little wins and try to somehow stay afloat. And but I mean, I, I didn't play enough. You know, I was too excited to be in Vegas. And it was just like play a couple hours here and there and uh, focus on trying to make the videos because the videos is what I really wanted to do, you know, above poker, honestly. But, you know, it, it, the videos really finally took priority later. But when I first got there, I, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't know what I thought <laughs> that I would do if it went south, you know. I didn't plan that much uh, as far as that part goes. So... One of the things that I think anyway that draws people to your vlog is your honest look at what it's been like through this journey. So what are the struggles you go through now and how have they changed from what you went through then? Yeah, the struggles now, it, it's a very strange uh, struggle now. One of the biggest struggles I went through was the absence of what the struggle once was. So it, this is something I've never been able to explain. I've never been able to put it into a vlog. I've never been able to uh, write it anywhere. It's just something that no one really knows. But this is probably the first opportunity I've had, you know, to have a sort of a different, I guess, different forum of 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 where to tell the story. Because one thing that I never really talked about was YouTube money, you know, how much right. money I was making from YouTube or how much money I made from, you know, this thing or that thing or whatever. And um, in 2016, I was dealing at the link and still living at Desert Manor. When the dealing job at the link was ending, it, it was a rumor for a while. It was just like, we're pretty sure the poker room is going to close you know, at the end of being open for a year. The only thought that I had was, well, if I'm going to get a legit place to live, like go to a real apartment and like sign a lease, somewhere decent to live, you know, um, I should do it now while I still have this job. Because they don't know that the job's ending probably in a month or whatever. So that's actually what I did. It was at the end of the summer of 2016. And I had like, not a lot, but I had seven grand somehow, seven grand saved up. And um, I went and got an apartment. The job ended and um, I was making about $500 a month from YouTube at the time. 
that had only just begun. I think it was only just a few months before. You have to have $100 in the AdSense um, in order to get paid. It, it hadn't been long since I had first gotten my first payment after, you know, a couple of years of putting videos up, getting zero, because I was only making $8 a month. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but I, I remember breaking the threshold and then I remember getting $500 the very first time. I believe that was probably June of um, 2016. And so... The YouTube money hit 500 a month. I made 500 from YouTube. I had seven grand saved and the job was ending. So I was just like, I'm going to gamble and go get this apartment. And it was going to be, you know, 1300 a month. And so um, when I moved in, I felt like there was still the struggle. But the first month that I moved in, I actually made 1300 It was $1,296, i will never forget, from YouTube. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then the next month it was seventeen hundred, or maybe it was thirteen hundred one more time, and then it was seventeen hundred, and then it sort of took off a little bit. And the December of twenty sixteen, I made forty six hundred dollars from YouTube, and I was my struggle at that point was holy shit, it's starting to happen. How am I going to maintain this? I don't even know how I can. And then it kind of went back down a little bit in January. February, then adpocalypse happened. Yeah. But but basically for me, the struggle for the longest time was realizing the absence of the struggle of living at Desert Manor and not having enough money, you know, right. to getting to a point where the rent and car payment, at least those two things are covered by YouTube now. And so I think everyone can look at the vlog and see when it began to change a little, when that first struggle sort of started to go away. And um, honestly, at this point, the struggle is vastly different. The struggle now is like, I want to make my poker vlog on a regular basis again. And as soon as I get to the, the strip or whatever, I'm like, I don't want to do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? So those are kind of the struggles now. You know, we all kind of were able to watch as this whole process evolved, right? You had the Go Gamble apparel, the hats, the hoodies, all of that. And then you had the Go Gamble blend, Go Gamble world. We'll talk about all of those more in the magazine. But one of the biggest changes has been lady trooper obviously the whole lady trooper thing is a life adjustment for me you know and um working that into my vlog was a dude with zero responsibility to anyone and two grand going to vegas and that's just not the you know even if i'm only responsible for even if it's just moral support you know what I mean? There's another person involved now. So I, I don't run around the strip and go, ladies, you know, anymore. And I can't even say that. So I she says I can, but I don't do it. She's not here, by the yeah. way. She's in there. <laughs> but um she, you know, I just don't do it because I don't feel I don't feel right about right. Say, calling yeah. out the ladies. Well, Trooper, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. I know we're gonna you know, continue to do some stuff for the magazine as well. But um, 
I, I really appreciate you taking the time and I know that the listeners really appreciate the content that you uh, continue to put out there. I think it's fun. I, I like talking about what this journey has been and it's way deeper and more complex than what we went into, you know? So uh, it's actually enjoyable because even though I didn't get rich from it and barely surviving at the moment, but um, it, it was still, I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't trade what I just did, you know, because it doesn't, it's not worth anything. It doesn't mean anything, but I was the first one doing the poker vlog, you know, right. running around playing poker, documenting my life, doing it, whether I was winning or losing really doesn't even matter. Most people struggle. First of all, most people struggle to even be able to play enough poker to realize sure. what their expectation might or might not be. You know, uh, I played, probably 700 hours of poker a year when I was vlogging all the time. So right. <laughs> it's not even about the poker anymore. So there you go, guys. I hope you appreciate the little sneak peek into our interview with the trooper and be sure to check out the rest in the February issue of the magazine. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager with Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He joins us each week to say how he would rule on situations that come up in your games, and he's with us again this week. Elliot, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, trying to keep warm. <laughs> it's been uh, frigid. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're, you're a ways from Buffalo, so how much of that snow did you guys see as opposed to what Buffalo got? Uh, Orchard Park, technically. We saw a good chunk on... Uh... On the weekend, uh, Sunday especially, uh, several inches. Uh, not like Buffalo. That was a large amount in a short time on Saturday. Yeah. We didn't get that much. And yesterday we got a couple more, but no, they got it much worse. They're much closer to the lake than we are. Well, yeah. Yeah, they have that lake effect snow. But uh, you've said before, they, they they get the roads pretty clear there pretty quick, right? Yes, but even they couldn't clear out all of it. The parking lots at the, at the stadium for the game were pretty much unplowed. Cars were getting stuck left and right. There was just too much snow in such a short period of time. They were able to clear the field at the stadium, but uh, if you had a ticket and a seat, you pretty much were on your own to plow out the seat or else you had to stand up. Right. <laughs> From what I saw, everybody was putting their drinks in the snow. It was awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, beer stayed cold. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, we have an interesting one. I think it's a good discussion this week sent in by Jalen Porter. Uh, and Jalen says, this is a strange situation and I was reprimanded for my part. He says, I don't play in a casino setting often because the nearest one to me is two and a half hours away. I feel your pain, Jalen, on that one. And... He says, however, I do play in numerous home games near me and feel like I have a pretty good handle on the rules. Here's the situation. Player A is all in on the turn and player B calls. The board is five, six, seven, nine, and the king comes on the river. Uh, suits don't matter in this case. He says, this is a cash game, so player A 
tables his pocket sevens only after the river card is dealt and player B flashes his hand to the table and says, nice hand, before throwing his cards face down toward the muck. Before the hand is mucked by the dealer, I say, you had an eight for the straight. Player B then grabs and tables his hand, showing the straight. When I called out the card, I was thinking that since he showed the table his hand, that would be the same as if he had tabled it. However, I was told by the dealer that I'm not allowed to say anything about what player B had, as he had not technically tabled his hand. He called the floor over, and I was given a warning. So Jalen says he would like to get some clarification on when I am allowed to speak and when I shouldn't, because I thought if we were shown the cards and all the betting that could happen had already been done on the turn, then we have a responsibility to speak up. Player B's hand was live because he was able to retrieve it, but player A was pretty upset with me, and the rest of the table was in agreement that I had somehow upset the balance of the game from that point on. So, there's a lot there. Very interesting one here, Jalen. You got yourself in a mess, didn't you? <laughs> Apparently, your handle on the rules was not quite uh, as, uh, as steady as you once thought. Your thinking was almost correct uh, about the showdown. Uh, all you have to do is re- replace we were shown the cards with all the cards were tabled, and then all the betting that could happen had already been done. One player to a hand is, is certainly one of the more important rules in the game. And when cards are not officially tabled, that means the backs of the cards are on the table and the hand is face up, then it is not uh, a tabled hand and therefore should not be uh, read by any other player at the table other than the possessor. You cannot put anybody on a thought at the table and the rules don't allow for it. His showing people the cards doesn't mean he knew he had a straight. And apparently he didn't because obviously he had to reach for his cards and turn them over. You can't assume anybody knows what they're holding. And the cards speak for themselves. They can be read by anybody at the table and should be when they are face up and tabled correctly. This was not that case. They were not tabled. This is a very simple one. And you got a mild reprimand here. I'm really surprised they didn't give you a more severe warning saying if it happens again, you probably wouldn't be allowed to play there or make you sit out around. This is a pretty heavy violation of the rules. One player to hand is important, and you effectively played that guy's hand for him. You can't do that. That's not fair. Uh, poker is an individual endeavor. There are no teams playing. There are no couples. Uh, one player per hand and one hand per player. Those are very, very fundamental features of the game and the only way the game works correctly. You violated that and violated it pretty badly. Even if it was inadvertent, you thought you were doing everybody a favor And in fact, you were not. (laughs) I want the the pots to go to the winning hands, but I also want players to protect their hands and play their hands themselves. Once the hand is tabled, everybody's responsible for reading it. The hand was not tabled. It doesn't get read by anybody ever. Even if he flashes it to everybody at the table. If the backs of the cards don't hit the table, it's not tabled. It's not officially face up for it to be read by anybody else, including the dealer. Right. So... This is kind of an interesting point to for for you to be able to maybe explain also why in a cash game, when we have an all-in situation, do we not turn the hands up as we would in a tournament? Well, uh, for many reasons. 
there's generally less collusion in cash games. And in cash games, you can reload at any time. Therefore, the chips have less value and less urgency. Why are you going to dump chips to your friend? If your friend needs money, just take him to the side and give him some money out of your wallet. <laughs> you don't need to dump your chips at the table. There's no chip dumping. You're not keeping somebody else alive at your expense. That concept doesn't exist in cash poker. Everybody can reload, and the blinds never go up. There's no urgency. At tournaments, it's very urgent. Right. Uh, generally, after the re-entry period, late entry period is over, those chips be, are now worth a premium because nobody else can acquire them other than by knocking somebody else out of the tournament or winning them through pots. So chip dumping can be a problem in tournaments, and that's why we have all these rules in place, such as showing all in, so that to, make, to prevent people from dumping or keeping people alive. You're on the bubble, and you can obviously surrender a pot to a, your friend who obviously only has a couple blinds. Now you can surrender a pot and triple them up without anybody knowing and keeping him alive at somebody else's expense. We can't let that happen in tournaments. We have to make sure they're, they're played authentically and honestly. In cash games, a lot of those worries go out the window. There, there is no, the blinds aren't going up. People can constantly reload. Players are coming in and out. There's no chip dumping. Somebody needs to borrow money or needs more money. You can just get money out of your pocket. <laughs> right. So we don't make people, if people want to surrender in a cash game, we let them surrender. Let them lose gracefully. We're not making them show a hand. Uh, again, concepts that can't apply all the time in tournament poker. Right. Jalen, I think that in this case, I can, I can kind of see where you're going. Uh, he did show the hand to the table, but... Yeah, I mean, you just have to understand, just be a little more careful when somebody is showing their hand. As Elliot said, it, tabling your hand means you are essentially saying, here's my hand, I'm done, I'm done. No action is going to be moving forward at this point. And that's why we use very precise terminology when writing these rules. Uh, at showdown, which is the end of the final betting round, People should table their hands. We don't say show their cards. Right. And we don't say after the last bet. We, we, we use the term showdown. And that signifies the end of betting and the commencement of reading of hands. We ask you to table your hand, not just to uh, show me something. We, we ask you to literally face them face up on the table. Uh, we use precise terminology and we place that in the rules for this precise reason, to make sure that people aren't violating other rules inadvertently or otherwise. Right. So I hope that clears things up for you next time Next time that you're heading out to the casino making that long trek. We want it to be an enjoyable one. So, And we don't want you to stop speaking up in the right spots. At the showdown, when the table, the hand's tabled correctly and somebody's about to make a mistake, it is absolutely responsible and correct to speak up and read the hand correctly. It's our obligation as players to make sure that at the showdown, when the hands are tabled correctly, the Money's going to the right person. Right. We're all responsible for that. That's a shared responsibility. It's not merely the dealers. And the game of poker has ended at the last bet. Like you said, you're correct about that. There is no more poker left to be played when the showdown commences. You're not trying to technicality somebody out of a pot because they correctly played the game but forgot to read their hand correctly. Once again, they got all their money in the pot. If they turn a face up, they're entitled to have it read correctly and awarded if it's a winner. So don't stop speaking up in those spots. Right. But don't speak up in the wrong spots. <laughs> yeah, and I think the biggest 
part of that is that it is still the player's responsibility to read their hand. It's their responsibility to turn it over correctly. Yeah. Don't take something for granted. Don't assume everybody at the table knows what they're doing or has got your best interest at heart. But, yeah, it's the player's job to actually play their hand, which includes turning it over correctly. And it's this is a, not uncommon. It, it happens more than it should. But, again, don't call out or announce or help somebody identify their hand before those backs of the cards that hit the table. Just don't. <laughs> it's not good. So there you go. Jalen, uh, I hope you enjoy the next venture out into the casino, but uh, uh, this should give you some clarification for situations like that in the future. And thanks for sending it in. It's a great discussion point. And Elliot, I appreciate you. Quite welcome. Glad to do it. If anyone else has a call the floor that they would like Elliot to break down, send it to podcast at com, And we'll see you next week. See you then. Looking forward to it. Let's break it down with Hand of the Week. Here we are, back with another Hand of the Week with Patrick. Hey, man, how you doing? Hand of the Week. I'm good, man, and yourself. I'm freezing, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, is, this is taking me back to living in Boston cold. I mean, it is, uh, you, you layer up and you're still freezing. Yeah, I just had to scrape my windows to get out of my driveway. Yeah, not not a fan. <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I gotta tell you, the the best thing is when you know when the dog who loves the snow walks out the day after the snow and the wind chill is like negative ten, negative twelve, <laughs> and he eats, drinks, does his business, and is standing by the door ready to come in as soon as possible. <laughs> or your two year old who walks out. I mean, we've got him bundled up like the kid from a Christmas story, and he turns around and goes, "Oh, too cold." Then you know it's cold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, much like the rest of the country, though, that is for sure. I mean, I've seen some videos out of Texas where they're, like, freezing their hair outside. So, for a while this week. (laughs) Well, before we get into the hand of the week, I want to mention Will Nash sent me an email. Uh, He just wanted to say he had played on one of the Jackpot Blitz tables. Nice. And he said it was awesome. He loved it. So Sweet. um, Where did he do it? uh, It was on one of the cruises. So he was Very on a nice. cruise, and he said it's the best of both worlds because it, you have the players around you, like in a live game, you know, atmosphere, but you have the speed of an online game. Um, okay. So he loved it. Um, he said we played close to double the number of hands. Oh. So, gosh. you know, if you're if you're doing well in the game, expect to. Double up quickly. If you're not, then I guess it can go faster too. <laughs> <laughs> you're buying back in quicker. <laughs> but also, he said the cool thing was that it works kind of like a slot machine. So you're putting the tickets in or you're taking the tickets out. You don't have to go to the cage to get your, you know, cash or chips in or whatever. Yeah. So it's all right there, which is cool. Very nice. Look, our first 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 hand knowledge of this, I, I think it's only gonna grow. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So this week with our hand of the week, um, that's sent in by Tim Hutchins. All right, Tim. And he's playing one three no limit. Okay. He has about five hundred and seventy to six hundred ish in his stack. Okay. 
This hand starts out with action folding around to the low jack, who opens to 15. The button calls, and we're in the small blind with the ace of diamonds, nine of diamonds. So, what are you going to do with that? Um, well, two schools of thought for me. Call, let's just go see what happens. Or what I think you're getting ready to tell me is get it down to heads up and put another bet in. So let's just <laughs> let let's practice what we what we've been preaching. Um, so the bet goes to fifteen. So what are you? You're probably thinking what forty five? Uh, da, da, da. too much. I'd probably go sixty actually. Oh, not enough. Okay, there you go. So because we've got that uh, other caller in there as well, right? Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah, button called, and you're right. But I'm I'm glad to see that you're. I got the thought process thinking there. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I would say one. Yeah, we've got the raise, and then we have a call, and we have the the big blind left to act after us. Right. So, so I feel like we need to bump it up to sixty. Come. Okay. If we're gonna play, now here's here's the other school of thought. Are we just playing to hit a flush? Because if we if we hit an ace, do we feel comfortable with that? Like, it's either we raise here or we fold. And I, I think you could make a case for folding. I'm not doing it, but I mean, I think you can make a case for folding. Let me ask you, I, you know, your very expansive knowledge base of your history, not calling you old or anything, but your experience... <laughs> Um, I mean, percentage wise, you know, suited with an ace, you know, granted nine, you know, it's lower. So yes, if you're, if you're just playing for, you know, trying to hit an ace or two pair or whatever the case may be. But if you're, if you're throwing out the fact that you do have the the ace and and suited, you know, percentages are, are decent enough to at least see a flop there. Correct. So this is very dependent. It's It's a hard question because is this a style thing though? Is this a player style thing? Yeah, to some degree, but also, you know, it depends on where the person that's coming in with the raise is sitting as well, right? If they're early position, you know that they're a lot stronger than they are in even the low jack is not probably as strong as like under the gun, for example. But if you're just trying to get the flush, the odds of hitting that flush by the river is like 6%. So I guess... Do with that what you wish. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I, I I can get that. All right. So let's say we do it to 60. What's what's our guy Tim do? Tim just calls. Okay. See, I'm not against it, Tim. We'll just see what happens, but I'm not against it. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Just for the record, I am. Against <laughs> for the record, we, we are split decision on this one over here. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's see what happens. The, so, the, so he calls. The big, the big blind calls as well. Which is why you're not on board with it. Now yeah. now we're four to the flop. So, yeah, here we go. Four ways to the flop. Yep. <laughs> and there's, what, $60? $60 yep. in the pot? And that flop is the eight of diamonds, jack of spades, eight of clubs. And we are first to act. Check, 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 check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not getting too frisky here, for sure. No, I, I mean, it's yeah, yeah, it's hard to. You're gonna have to go run a runner, so yeah, no thanks. Yeah, there are too many players in the hand to go 
you know, if you if you wanted to try and do something like represent the eight, yeah, you know, you do that with less people in there than, than I was just gonna say. If you are you're playing heads up, you want to represent it and take that risk, go for it. But with four of you, I that just doesn't seem very smart to me. It just sounds like you're doing any chips. Yeah, and then if anybody puts any money in, I'm probably just gonna let the hand go. I completely agree. That's that's where my mindset goes as well. So, all right. So please tell me Tim checks. Tim does check. Good man. The big blind checks. The low jack checks, and it's the button that puts in the fifteen dollars. So fifteen seems like a very low amount. That's to, exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> to to not see another card. Well, yeah, I, I definitely wasn't expecting fifteen. Yeah, it makes it makes me think two one of two things, right? He's either baiting us in. Yeah, he's like, please, everybody, come in here and because yeah. because I have the absolute unbeatable hand right now, or they're scared. Yeah, I mean, he's sitting on he's sitting on Jack Eight or um, right, exactly. Um, or, Jack Eight's exactly where my brain went. Or he's got you know I you know maybe something like you know pens or you know queens he's got two pairs some sorts the other thing too is and i i don't know why but i mean it's the low jack comes in with a 15 dollars bet to start with you know you know pre-flop and then he checks right. there was he checking to make i mean he's already got one check no two checks in front of him so he either completely missed or he's right. holding uh, either way yeah. i am uh, i'm seeing you later this is just a recipe right. for disaster yeah, so because like you to your point, if we call, then it may end up being a check raise for the low jack. Yep. To to try and push us out. So I don't want any part of that. Yeah, I, and like I said, you know, if we wanted to do the the raise here, it's just too like I said, you know, too many people in here. Yeah. So I'm I'm not ready to get that frisky. So I'm ready to just see the next hand, see yep. how this hand plays out and move on. Yep. But Tim calls, okay. the big blind folds, and low jack calls. Okay. So now we've got three to the turn, 105 in the pot. Okay. Uh, it, honestly, so let's let's back up just a minute because I think, I feel like a call here is the worst of all of the choices. That that Tim could have done. Well, I guess to see um, another card for for cheap is the, is the the one there. But I mean, yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't know what anyone's representing, and that's the thing that's just getting me. It's like, I mean, I think the button is is baiting everyone. That's my guess. I my guess too. Yeah, I yeah. think he's got a boat. Yeah, we're we're literally calling a paired board at this point, multi way, with ace high, and looking for runner runner to get a diamond. To yep. get the uh, the nut flush. Yep, that's about right. I think you summed <laughs> but, it up pretty well. But if we hit our runner runner, we may not even be good because if they have the boat. <laughs> Very true. He flops. <laughs> he flops the boat. We're still. I mean, you're right. So that's my side note. But Tim calls, and the turn is the six of diamonds. Of course, it is. So we got half half of our runner runner. So you know what I hope so, though? I hope that there are people playing home games because I mean I'm thinking about it too. You know, next time getting at a table, 
and remember things that the takeaways from this, like our fellow our fellow friends that are sitting in these in going, all right, why do we do this? And that's why we're here. So anyway, right, six of diamonds. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and you're still first to act. So what are you gonna do? One oh five in the pot. <laughs> Hold my hold my hand, pre-check. You're just gonna. Um, <laughs> all right, so we're in it. Pots one hundred five. Again, I mean, I mean, my gut says check again. I mean, I yeah. it, that's what I would want to do. I don't see any other reason. I mean, you could come way over the top here and try to get someone out, but I think if you do, the button calls or <laughs> raises on top of you, and I don't yeah, think you want to find that out because you're then you're just again donating chips. So checks. Yeah, I think there's absolutely no reason to lead into the field here. Yeah. Check and then evaluate from there. Maybe maybe it checks around. I don't think that happens, but we can dream. Maybe yeah. it checks around. <laughs> it could happen. All right, what's our guy Tim do? Tim says, I check. Okay. The low jack checks and the button bets 15 again. Yeah, no. Nope. 15 again. He's definitely baiting us. I'm done. He's slowly killing us at this point. Like he's just slowly us for us to die. (laughs) He wants us in there for sure. Definitely, definitely baiting us with consecutive $15 bets. The first one was into what? $60. This one's into 105. Yeah. This one's over a hundred. So I'm just folding. Yeah. hundred percent. Let you two have it out. Yeah, it's one of those weird situations because now you're getting the right price, right? You're getting the right price to call. Yeah. But that's why they're doing it. They have a hand that just can't be beat at this point is what I'm thinking. And they're hoping they get as much money as they can. I'm not going to be their huckleberry. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) They have jack eight or they're holding eights in their hand. I'm going on record right now. Eights. They're holding eights. Oh, quads. That's that's the other one. They're holding eights, and they just saw that flop come out. Um. Okay. So our I didn't button, even think of that, but yeah, our button villain is sitting there just you know buying his time and see how much money he can get out of everyone for free. Um. Did did Tim call? Tim does call. Okay. And the low jack folds. Really. So now we're we're heads up. Okay. But Tim says, I debated on raising as it looks like a weak jack or just a continued stab. I decided to just call and take my equity. A weak jack. I don't agree with that. I think that if if that were the case, I don't think it would be two consecutive $15 bets. I think he would have bet differently. If that were the case... I'm going to turn out really wrong on this. I think nonetheless, we're there. We'll see two players to the river. I'm, I'm with you though. I mean, I think he's got, I put him on Jack eight. You went full quads. I'm going full so. quads. He's just, just sitting there. All right. So, all right. So it's us in the button, another 15. So it's 135 to the, let's see yep. what we got. Um, the river is the three of diamonds. So we make the miracle nut flush, but we can't be. I don't feel comfortable with it. <laughs> My skin is crawling for Tim. I Here's the problem though. Here's the problem. We've made the nut flush so I feel like we have to call a bet now unless it's just in a, you know, if he's putting 15 in there, we have to call. If he's putting 
half pot in there, I feel like we have to call. But if he goes much more than that, I can get away from it. But it's to us, correct? We are, yeah, we are the first. Half. Okay, so here's my thought. We're all the we we've seen it all the way to this. Here's how I think: go go three quarters or, or close to close to pot. Go like go like eighty five. And so if you want to lead, lead, lead in to him, lead in because then it sh- it tells us everything. If he raises, we're done. He's he's made his jack eight or he's made his quads or whatever. But if he calls, then maybe we do actually have a chance. Maybe he does. Maybe he, Tim's right and we're wrong and he makes them on like jack, you know, seven or something. I don't know. That's my thought. I mean, I don't want to waste chips. But at this point, you know, we're an extra 30 in than we should be, or at least in my opinion. But, I mean, I don't know anything. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I, I still just want to check and hope that he's trying to put in less money so that I can call for less, and if I'm right, I take down whatever I take okay. down, and if not, then at least I didn't just throw away money. <laughs> so check, and if he comes in, you know, three quarters or higher, then let it go. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I get you. That's another way to do it. What is, what's our guy do? Uh, Tim says, I decide to lead as he had paid off with some weak hands at showdown previously in the night. Come. So I lead for 65. Okay. Villain thinks and decides to raise to 170. I'm done. See ya. (laughs) I'm going. Done. We're beat. See ya. (laughs) They've been waiting for us to show some kind of strength to this point. Yep. Now when we bet with the flush out there, like it's definitely you know the flush definitely got there and they want to put even more money in nah no i'm done i'm done yep tim says i go into the tank initially thinking about jamming but i decide to think it through jack eight is kind of reasonable here i think it's more than kind of but it's only one hand also he could have trip eights. Villain has only raised or gone all in once prior and showed down the nuts. This line looks super sketchy and seems fishy, but I decide he's not the kind of player that will bluff raise the river. He's clearly recreational. I announce I probably should raise, but I'm just going to call. I wouldn't say it was a gut feeling, but again, I don't think he's capable of bluffing the river with this action. I put in the call, and villain shows quad eights. <laughs> you called it. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow, Tim. This is a very you know what this may be. I mean, I've had a lot of favorites, but this may be one of my favorites because. It's all about how you see the hand and presented and everything else that goes into it and whatnot. Because there are days that you're like, you see a hand differently and you're like, this is why I would do it. And it takes me a split second once you say it and I'm like, hey, you're right. But (laughs) from minute one, this was just screaming bad news bears. Right. I think so too. Quad eights. So Tim says, I think most of the time I should just be raising here. Are we always raising this on the river as really only two hands beat us 
and there are some busted draws. He's right that there are only two hands that beat us. He's right. No, that's not true. Yeah. No, pocket eights beat us. Pocket sixes beat us. Pocket threes beat us. Pocket jacks. Oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe I should say it with a... Maybe I should say this with a caveat. I made them on something before... We all made them on something before this. Before the six or the three came out. So, sure. in that instance, I guess there are still a few more hands. There are more... There's more than two hands that beat us. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Jack eight, eight, six, eight, three. Like, any combination with an eight in it that also is on that board. Yeah. So, far more than two hands. And then... Tim even told us that the last time that they, the only other time that they put in all of their chips, they had the nuts. So they're, they're probably pretty good here. And then those $15 bets into bigger pots like that, I think all of that adds up to not raising on the river. Um, on top of that, we never should have even gotten to the river. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely. I don't think there's any reason, any reason to get to the river. Yeah, I, we shouldn't have made it past the flop. Yeah, maybe at best get to the turn, but when he throws out another fifteen dollar bet into one hundred five, you're just lying yeah. in wait. You're you're. I mean that that button was like a, a snake waiting to take you down, and, and unfortunately he did. I hope I hope Tim. I hope Tim took down some chips from him later in that game. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But on the flop, we had ace high, and we were thinking we're going to hit runner-runner. To So I just don't understand why we even, even call in that spot. So moral of the story is chasing runner-runner is not going to be profitable. Especially on paired boards. <laughs> Every, yeah, no. Never. Those who chase straights and flushes come in on planes and go home on buses. <laughs> Especially when they're runner-runner. <laughs> oh, so elegantly said, sir. So elegantly said. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's a tough one. Yep. Yeah, well... Thank you, Tim, for sending that in. And for sure, if if anyone has a hand of the week that they would like us to break down, send it to podcast at com. Patrick, I appreciate you breaking it down with me again this week. Congratulations on calling that one from the get go. I appreciate that. We are uh, we are learning each and every week along with our listeners, and I will leave you with this: Go Bills! Hey, go Bills! <laughs> <laughs> Our success in poker depends on maintaining focus for long periods of time. Yet, I'm constantly surprised at how many players find themselves succumbing to distractions that hinder both their gameplay and impact the overall atmosphere at the poker table. Let's look at some of these biggest offenders. First, there's the phone faux pas folks. This person's always checking messages on their phone or browsing the internet, or worse, playing other games on their phone instead of the one right in front of them. All of this has diverted their attention from the game and, as a result, slows things down for everyone. 
avoid tables with these players if you can. Next is the Chatterbox Champions. <laughs> I love talking to other people at the table. Poker is a social game. However, these players want to tell you every hand that they folded and how good their starting hands have been if only they could connect with that board. <laughs> Eventually, that leads to the story of that one time they got the bad beat jackpot. A chatterbox champion doesn't know the balance between a friendly atmosphere and maintaining their focus on the game. You definitely don't want to be on either side of this player. Then comes the foolish food fanatic. Look, some quick food at the table is pretty common, and most of the time, this can be done without causing distractions. This type of player, though, they're prone to spilling their food, or worse, loud chewing, <laughs> or they bring food with this strong and lingering odor. <laughs> when the action gets to them, I mean, they're never prepared because for some reason, they chose that exact moment to take a bite. Then they have to wipe their mouth, wipe their hands, clear off any crumbs. That... Then, and only then, will they look at their cards for the first time. Of course, this one may be tough to avoid, but if it's a cash game, then when their food arrives, it might be a good time to take a break and go for a short walk. Then. My personal favorite, the sports-watching wanderer. <laughs> Rarely is this person in their seat. They're more worried about the big game on the TVs across the room because they're hoping to hit on that big four-game parlay they have. The game slows down when they have to be called over to the table because the cards are starting to be dealt, only for them to tell the player next to them to just fold their cards when it's their turn. Don't be one of these types of players. Minimize your distractions. It not only benefits your own gameplay, but also contributes to a more positive and respectful atmosphere for all the players. If you do get stuck at a table with one of these types, though, the one thing you may be able to take some solace in is that you can probably pick up a few more dollars here and there. Because, I mean, their attention's going to be divided elsewhere. That's today's One Outer. And that's today's show. I'll see you next week, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Any Up Podcast is a production of AnyUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AnyUpMagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at AnyUpMagazine.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.